you do it again do you have bad credit are you getting sick and tired of being turned down for auto loans carcredit.com can get you approved now simply log on all right does it still exist carcredit.com e-car i think carcredit.com so is why are we there. giving them a fucking free commercial i don't want to i hated those guys that was one of my worst jobs although i got to do a commercial for them so that Matt, was fun yes it's there's like five inches of snow on the ground Ugh. our world is a slushy mess the kids are Regret, uh, reluctantly oh. in school, screaming, crying, begging, pissing the whole way. Fuckers. Yeah. You know what? My uh, my older son was very upset because he really thought he was going to get yeah. a day off, and he they didn't get delays. They get nothing, and they have four Not- snow days, and we haven't used a single one. So what the fuck? Not only that, my wife, who is also teaches in the public schools here, a different one than our district, she was also you know hoping and praying for a day off and. You know, I don't know why they insist on, um, you know, teaching children things on snow days. They it's, should just give up. The kids are going to be distracted. Half the teachers aren't going to make it in anyway because right. nobody has a work ethic. Right? Anymore. They get the blue flu. Is that is that a thing? Or it is, is that a just thing. For in fact, my wife called out today. But she, I mean, she had. Are you going to out her right a, now? She had a migraine. <laughs> Air quotes. But uh, no, I mean, I'm, she, she did have a headache. She was up half the night. Uh, you know, my older son's got some, he had to do some project on Top Gun, the movie. Really? Like, I don't know what kind of college this is he's going to, but he had to write a paper on Top Gun and, and okay. Aaron was helping him out with that. So she was up half the night. So I can understand, you know, why she didn't want to go in today. Right. But I get it. a delay would I have been it. nice. Just Anything. a little delay. But the delays, I mean, it's funny because. You know, early in the morning, I don't know if you get this too, uh, you go out and it's, you know, all your neighbors who have kids are outside, out front with the shovels, right. vetching and complaining and uh, trying to make funny comments or completely avoid one another. Right. Um, That's what I do. Avoid. Yeah. <laughs> so um, here we are, uh, but we did put together a show of some kind. It is funny though. Yeah. Just one last comment on the weather. Mm. I'm sure people tune into this podcast to listen to me bitch about the weather. They do. Um, what was I going to say about the weather? Fuck. You oh, hate it. It's oh. funny that to watch kids and teachers get all excited when it snows and people like you and me, the only thing running through our head is Jesus fucking Christ. What a pain in the ass. This is going to be, I got to <laughs> shovel the snow. Yep. I got to get everybody out, you know? So it's, uh, you know, they're all like, you know, but whatever. That's life, I guess. That's life. And this is Walgreens. More free advertising. Yeah. Anybody else you want to plug this morning? I I have a real problem because when I was a kid, my dad used to call me the walking commercial. I couldn't stop myself. I would memorize every commercial jingle and I would just march around the house reciting uh, advertising. And so that's a bit has stayed with me. So Uh, are we ready to begin the show portion of the show? And we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Ned X. And I'm Mike R. And boy, do we have a show for you today on (laughs) RMA. We discuss the mysterious disappearance of Bo Mann, founder of SoberGrid. And we kvetch, complain, and congratulate each other for getting together... 
uh, on a snow day here on Long Island. Welcome. All this and more on a very special edition of RMA. You're listening to My Mind. You like it? That was Kyle. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Kyle, I don't know what you are smoking out there, but that sounds like something I would have recorded, you know, when I was up all night for days on Ritalin and you're like, add another track. I liked it. Um, It was pretty wild. It made me feel like it was upside down in the land of Tron. Kyle, thank you so much. That is a weird one, but very cool. Very cool. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Recovering the Middle Ages Patreon. What is Patreon, Mike? Uh, that's a place where people go and they spend money and we give them a mug or something. Yes. We, we're getting new people on there. Did we? See, here's the thing. Yeah. I haven't been able to log into our Patreon because Why? I because I don't know the password. To pa- oh, to Patreon. Yeah. yeah. You want to give me the password right now on the yeah. air? Dep- well, yeah, don't do that. But I will tell you the trick. The reason why it's not working is you have to do it through Facebook or something. Oh, Right. So I don't know how many people are currently Patreon members, but I think it's those of you who aren't should probably sign up because uh, the biggest, as far as I'm concerned, the best part of the Patreon is that you get access to the Discord community. You get to go in there and hang out and talk, and it's a great resource for all things recovery, and it's a great place to, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I say recover together. Recover together. That's right. We do it together. And we got some new people on there. Um, uh, actually, a contest winner, uh, oh, Z yeah. Z Dad. Yeah, he won uh, one of Joseph Naus's books, and um, I may have e- even sent it to him. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I not think sure. He said you, yeah, and uh, so it's been really cool. So on Patreon, and it's also Patreon is the promise of more. You know, so when we, you know, we have some video episodes. <laughs> do we deliver? Up there. <laughs> um, you do get some um, some merch. Uh, they send out these cool mugs. After three months, uh, and we're going to do more with that, especially as uh, the show evolves, and um, it's just helpful to, to support us. So go to patreon.com slash recovery in the Middle Ages and join yeah. the movement. I mean, here's Sir. the thing. We're not, into the, we're not in this for the money. We don't make any money doing this. Uh, any money that comes in is more, more likely to go right back out the door, like for um it just keeps our wives kind of from being mad we're but- spending money on the show, you know, because we can... Yeah, there are some expenses. There is some advertising that we do to try and pull more people in. There's some fees associated with maintaining the website and, you know. Yeah, the ads. The ads are minimal, but they do yeah. cost money. And I love to see, you know, we should do a segment where we just talk about the comments on the ad because those are pretty funny. People write the weirdest stuff on our ads. Yeah. Like, there's some. There's a couple guys out there who are like at the end of their tether who are just posting that they can never get well and they're going to die. And I'm, I'm like, well, that's <laughs> disheartening. Yeah, I'm like, um, <laughs> should I just remove this from the comments or do we want to... I had to remove one, yeah. a couple of things. People, people, like, there are a lot of crazy fucking people out there. Yes, there are. You know, and, mm-hmm. and, and Facebook seems them. to bring them out. And, and I don't know... And they they vote, by the way. Yeah, that's evident. <laughs> one... um thing that is really interesting to me is like you if you can't really target these facebook ads like in a late with laser like precision no i mean i've looked at the 
keywords and all this kind of thing. And I don't really know what I'm doing. This is really your area. I but I, know, but I have but I have boosted a couple of posts you know, to you know try and you know just get our our program out there. Get it out. And um, so some people get very angry that they're being targeted by a recovery yes. podcast. Why are you coming after me? <laughs> Who told you I drink too much? <laughs> I know, but the thing is, like, Facebook knows that you drink too much because they know everything about me. Like, I, all I have to do is think about something and it shows up in the feed the next I time. have noticed that. And yeah. so, I don't know, people who are drinking too much, maybe it's a wake-up call. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not trying to be anybody's wake-up call. No, I, but... I, I'm just here to... Get more entertain listeners. Entertain and inform. That's entertain. All. We are monkeys dancing at a circus is what we're doing. Speaking of monkeys dancing at a circus, yeah. we have a good review. Yes. Did you happen to pull that up? Of course. Ahead of the show? We got a very nice review. Listen to me as I vamp while I get it up. Ha, ha, ha. Everybody <laughs> chuckle. That, don't you always do that? Everybody <laughs> chuckle. I set myself up for that one. We got a five-star review. Fuck. Um I, I, all my board shit is not where it's supposed to be. That's okay. Um, this is a, a bit of a long one. Um, That's what she said. It, the, <laughs> and the review says, very informative, helpful, funny. Uh, and then it trails off with dots, I think. There's more. <laughs> and that's from Oompa. Loompa. Joey Loompa. Five stars. Oh. And, uh, and Joey says, this addiction podcast is well worth... Just use the glasses. They're on your forehead. Yeah, I was looking for my glasses. There we go. Sorry. Okay. And then, so, this addiction recovery podcast is well worth a listen. The host, Mike and one. are great together, and the show is very easy to get addicted to. Ha, ha, ha. He actually wrote that. They are both very intelligent. Thank you. And well-spoken. Thank you. Without being pretentious. I think I'm pretty pretentious, but thank you for saying I that. I can be if I, if I need to be. <laughs> We're working on it. While at the same time, really funny and easy to listen to, the topics and guests are always interesting, and I find myself learning and thinking about my own recovery in ways I hadn't necessarily before. I've been listening since the first episode. Wow. wow. I've been listening, uh, and I really like that I can identify with a lot of what these guys talk about. It's nice to know that I'm not alone with my issues and that there are other people out there who have struggled like I have. A lot of the subject matter discussed on the show has led me down some really helpful and interesting rabbit holes. Mm. Uh, there's definitely not a shortage of quality entertainment here. It's a really good show and can be helpful for those who have quit or are thinking about quitting drugs and alcohol. I highly recommend it. Thank you, Joey. Thanks, it sounds bud. like I wrote that. It's yeah. Like, Did you? Is that actually, one that you put oh, in there? I didn't write that one, but thanks so much, Joey. That was um, I was like a little embarrassed reading it. So every one of you out there, yes. should take a few minutes to go. If you listen on Apple iTunes, just go there and leave us a sentence or two. It doesn't have to be like a novel that that uh, Joey wrote, but uh, just a couple sentences and a few stars, five would be the best number of stars because it really helps us get up in the search rankings and people will find us and we'll get bigger and bigger and eventually we'll take over the world. Yeah, uh, Liz, you don't have to do it. You do it like every other week. So thank you for that. <laughs> thank um, you, Liz. But, you know, the rest of you, shame. 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 <laughs> Leave us more no, reviews. just go, just please help us out. Throw us a bone. Yeah, and you it know. gives us content. We can read it on the show. You don't have to give us any money, but a review is a really review. good. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, so, so somebody wanted you. me to like make hats um, or shit or yeah, merch. But should. here's the thing, and I, th and I really want some feedback from you guys. Maybe I'll put up a Facebook post, but um, 
Was the problem with the shirts, the design, was it the fact that it said recovery in giant letters? You know, like, what is it? Or is it just you don't want to buy a T-shirt, which is fine. I don't care if you don't want to buy a T-shirt. Like, I've been giving the shirts away now to people that ask me for them on Discord. We're not (laughs) Except, shit, I owe somebody a shirt. Holy shit. I should have mailed that out, like, weeks ago. I was going to say. Damn it. So, Mike is very sorry. I think it could be just the target audience, too. Like, middle-aged, you know, parents. They don't sleep in T-shirts? I don't know. I I sleep in a T-shirt. It's not a T-shirt wearing community, maybe. Like, Should we make polos? I was thinking that. RMA polos? Or, like, the warm hats, maybe, or... Beanies? Beanies. People like beanies. Just in time for spring. Right. This is a... It's going to... Crackerjack marketing here. Well, maybe we could do mugs because people aren't embarrassed to drink vodka out of a mug in their kitchen in the right. early in the morning. Right. right? And, and, you know, I didn't even think that maybe they wouldn't want something that says recovery, but I think maybe we should be a little more. I mean, more I don't wear the shirt out in public because I don't feel the need to advertise recovery. my recovery. Yeah. Like, you know. Mm. You know what I mean? We have to think of something a little less obvious, maybe. That's okay. like a secret thing. If someone yeah. else sees it, they know. Guys, ideas, please send me ideas. ideas. Mike R at middleagesrecovery.com or just uh, send me a DM on the Facebook. Slide into his DMs. Oof. <laughs> that sounded dirty. I don't know if it was intended that way. Mm. So um, <laughs> I apologize for uh, not telling any of you that we were not having a show last week. Yeah, explain to the audience... Why you just couldn't show up for work last week. (laughs) Last week, I took the family to California, to sunny Southern California. Although, uh, while we were there, San Diego issued its first blizzard warning ever. So, um, it was not very sunny. We got sun for a couple of days. It's very entertaining watching you make coffee while I'm (laughs) trying. uh, I'm here. Nobody knows. Yeah. Okay. Okay. can you guys hear his coffee machine? It's got, it's one of those spinny Nespresso machines. It's not as loud as yours, by the way. Mine sounds like a fucking jet plane taking off. Anyway, uh, yeah, we went to California, spent a few days in San Diego doing some hiking in and around La Jolla. We went to the San Diego Zoo, which is known for its animals. <laughs> went to the uh, went to the aquarium. You got one of those. You got a fish noise? Okay, there you go. Um, and then we went out to Joshua Tree to do some hiking out there, and it snowed in Joshua Tree while we were there. Is that unusual? Uh, yes. Okay. Well, California. It was like 15 degrees colder than it is usually at this time of year everywhere on the West Coast. This was an adventurous trip. A lot happened, right? Yeah. A lot so, happened. I mean, the, everybody everybody had a good time despite the weather because we went to California like five years ago in February and we were not expecting it to be like in the 50s and uh, the 40s at night. So we were really pissed off and didn't bring the right clothes, all that. This time, we knew that we could get potentially some negative weather, so we came prepared. But uh, we... Didn't come prepared for, you know, a blizzard warning in the San Bernardino Mountains, three feet of snow in the town of Julian, Arizona. Jesus. So I couldn't go there and get my apple pie. I guess Julian's known for its apple pie. Um, and, you know, the kids all wanted to go swimming in the swimming pool. So, you know, we're out there fucking freezing our <laughs> fucking balls off, you know, so the kids could go swimming. Um, two interesting alcohol-related uh, things happened on this trip. Yes. Would, you, would you like to hear them? I would love okay. to. The first one was... 
Now, I don't know if any of you folks have noticed this or noticed it when you were out drinking back when you were drinking, but we were sitting at the restaurant in the La Quinta Resort in the town of La Quinta. La Quinta. It's not the La Quinta Motor Inn, which you may be familiar with. This is like a a nicer place. It's like nestled in between the mountains. The room is in your own casita. This was like the splurge for the trip because the hotel we stayed at in Mission Beach was blah. But we go to the restaurant there and... They ask Erin, uh, uh, do you want, she's like, I'll have a glass of wine. And they're like, do you want six ounces or nine ounces? And I'm like, I didn't know wine came in sizes. Mm. But then it, it reminded me that that I knew this, right? So so she says, I'll have the nine ounces. Of course. You know, and I'm thinking like, that's a very interesting way to sell wine because you're putting a single glass down. You're serving nine ounces of wine. Now, a serving of wine is supposed to be like four and a half, five ounces. That's considered one unit of yeah. wine. So what's so six is so more than nine <laughs> is basically two glasses. Yeah. But when you're drinking it, it's an, it's only one glass. So then you're gonna maybe order another one because you think, oh, I've only had one. One. Right. Now I was offered the same choice a few times in my travels through work, and yeah. I would always drink like four of those. Nine ounces, of Four course. Nine, of course. <laughs> so that's 36 ounces. I assume that's like not quite a 40 ounce of wine, ounce of wine, but slightly more than a quart, which is yeah. 32. So, um, so it certainly allows you to do the mental gymnastics on yourself. Like when you're like, oh, I only had four glasses of wine yeah. last night. Why do I feel like, like ass? Yeah. And it's because you drank a quart, in, yeah. you know, a yeah, quart a of quart wine. A quart of wine. Um, so I thought that was, that was interesting. And I, and I didn't, really have and and it was there were two places where she was offered that uh so I, it must be sort of common and i'm thinking it's a way for them to push and sell more wine because they can charge a lot for a nine ounce glass from a, from a business owner perspective probably it also helps to have a consistent pour so you can like yeah. manage how much you're spending on well they bring amounts. it in, they bring it in a little beaker it looks like a hey, science hey. experiment and then they so they pour like three quarters this is also psychology they pour three quarters of the beaker into the glass and they leave this little tiny bit at the Hmm. bottom and they put it next to your glass so when you drink that and you're thinking oh wow i have a whole other serving left but it's really not it's really just a small serving see i know how that would work on me as as an alcoholic i would be like there's no way that's enough wine for me so i'm going to get another nine ounce glass and i'll repeat and rinse rinse and repeat right and rinse and repeat so uh kudos to the to the legalized drug dealers for figuring out a way to get people to drink even more poison good, yeah. for, good for them i've never seen that before and i drank a long time maybe it's a california thing maybe yeah because did never... you drink a lot of wine were you a wine drinker i mean i liked wine i mean before it was vodka in the closet was it was it wine, was it wine I mean, at dinner yeah i liked wine <laughs> i was a wino of a yeah. type you know yeah i would like a cabernet with the, with the right kind of meal type of thing i was always Pretending to know how to pair things. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, white wine. Oh, that's fish, fish and chicken." You know, but yeah, I wasn't like I. I just never saw a nine. Usually, we'd get a bottle. Maybe that's why. Right. We didn't typically get it by the glass because Christine and I would get a bottle, and I would drink most of it. Well, I would. I would always think that getting a bottle would mean that I would have to finish the bottle, and I never thought that I wanted to finish the bottle. But then I would end up buying four glasses and Aaron would end up getting four glasses and we could have gotten two bottles and that yeah. would have been fine. But, um, yeah, we did the math really like, just get a bottle and yeah. that's going to drink the whole thing anyway. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's funny wine, 
But uh, the other th- the other thing that kind of hit me, like I was fine the whole vacation. Like I was not. I mean, we we travel with the kids. We go to bed early. We don't. We're not sitting in bars for the most part, you know. Right. So there's no really no temptation to do anything. I like getting up super early in California because I'm on a three hour time change. I'm going to get up early yeah. anyway. Um, you know, get up, go running, whatever. But um, the one time that I had like a a moment was um when we were coming back actually uh and landed at kennedy airport it was like nine o'clock at night and i'm walking out to get our luggage and i pass by the wine bar that's right you know before you go down into baggage claim and there was a bar there was a couple sitting there at the at the wine bar laughing yucking it up the bartender was having a great time they had these nice glasses they were drinking out of Mm -hmm. the wine looked really good and i just immediately had like a super craving like and i don't know if it was i don't think i was craving the wine i was craving the idea of sitting in the airport waiting for a delayed flight drinking wine sitting sitting in front of the bar talking to the bartender having a having a few laughs you know not caring about anything but what i did was and this is this all happened as i'm walking by and i'm watching this and then i'm going down into baggage claim and as i'm doing that i'm playing forward the tape in my head which I haven't had to do in a while, but I'm like, okay, I would have like three or four glasses of wine. Then I would get on a plane. Then I would have to fly somewhere. Then I would have a hangover kick in while I'm on the plane. Then I'd get off the plane and I'd be a total asshole to everybody because I'd be fucking in the middle of alcohol withdrawal. And then I would either drink more, which would ruin my next day, or I would not, which would ruin my present day. And uh, I wouldn't be able to sleep. And, and I went through this whole thing in like five minutes as I was walking down the flight of stairs to baggage claim. And by the time I got down there, it was all gone. Yeah. Like all of, any desire I might have had was gone. That's, that's great that you could do that. Because they always tell you to do that. Play the tape forward. Play the tape forward. And, you know, I was never able to. Well, now I can do that, too. I try and do that same thing. When you see those romanticizable situations, you know, the... Uh, People just kind of coming together, relaxing. I like how you said, you know, with not a care in the world. Yeah. I don't remember the last time I felt that way, you know, just, ah, who cares? Right. right. And uh, and I'm sure I could learn how to get myself to that state of mind, but certainly not drinking isn't going to bring you that kind I, of peace, you know. Yeah. Although I think the dirty secret is like you can meditate and you can do all these other things, but there is a certain feeling that alcohol gives you mm. that you just don't get anywhere else. The it, trick is like it to realize that that's okay. Like if I'm allergic to fucking strawberries, I may really like eating them, but they're going to kill me. So I'm just, you right. know, I'm never going to, you know, eating a blackberry is not going to give me the feeling of eating a strawberry. You know what I mean? No, but along those lines, um, I was at our neighbor's house the other day and, uh, and he's, he likes to drink. And every time we've gone over there for years and years, I, of course, don't drink. So he brings me a Coca-Cola. But I've been talking about the Guinness Zero Zero. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about yes. that. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and I've always I've said, you know, man, if I could just find the Zero Zero, I would love to try a Guinness again. It was one of those beers I had a fond memory of. You know, I never got sick drinking it. Anytime I was drinking Guinness, I was really just having it for flavor or whatever. Okay. Whatever I told myself at right. the time. I, but it wasn't... a a beer I would get wasted on. So I found out about this Zero Zero Guinness, and he would always, you know, offer my wife a Guinness, and he does a little black currant, uh, little, uh, what is the word, a little syrup in it, 
it's like something he does to like make the drink a little different. Is this a European fellow? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so he's got, you know, so this time I came over and he's like, look what I got. And he had the zero zero Guinness. Ooh. And I don't know if you, I've mentioned this on the show, but I've never been an NA beer guy. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit against the idea of, you know, drinking NA beer in early recovery because it sort of just keeps you in that mindset of wanting to taste alcohol. Hmm. And I don't think that that's real helpful in the long run for staying sober. So that's why I've been against it, basically. But this time I said, man, I would love to just, you know, sometimes I crave the uh, the flavor of Guinness. And I'm like, this could be a little to satisfy that. And, uh, and it did. Hmm. And I tasted Guinness again. And it was, you know, a little more bitter than I remembered, but... Um, there you go. Zero, zero Guinness. So I saw that you posted that you did that and I immediately reached out because I was like, because I know, I I know your hesitation and your trepidation about approaching these NA beers and whether or not it's going to be a a trigger or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you said, you know, it's fine. Everything's fine. But before you grabbed that Guinness from that guy, was there a thought process that went on? Were you like, maybe I shouldn't do this? Or were you just like, bring it on, bitch? You know, <laughs> or somewhere in between. You know, I, I was like, bring it on, bitch, only because I had been playing this through my head since I heard about this beer. Yeah. So this is something I've We've been, been going over it. in my head, and I was, I've was i thought it through a lot. And, um, and that maybe could be enough information for me to say i shouldn't drink it if i'm obsessing over it that yeah but the truth is it's just something i was kind of like i was thinking about it every time i went to the supermarket i'd look for it you know like i was like i really wanted (laughs) that that, like yeah that weirds me out a little bit it's a little weird yeah i was obsessing over it and then so finally i got to drink it and uh i got it out of my system and it wasn't alcohol probably like 20 minutes later yeah if i remember guinness correctly (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) I was done. Yeah, that was it. So, so have you? No biggie. Have you run out to the store and bought more? No, nope. Guinness. I haven't, and they carry it in town. Apparently, yeah, it's at the, the uh, beer, beer distributor. Dist- yeah. Right, and so no, I haven't. I was thinking, oh, maybe I should get it for the house, but I was like, eh, I don't know. It didn't. It wasn't that fantastic, guys. I'm sorry to report. You know, mm. the memory of Guinness was far better than the experience of it, and he wanted to try it too. Uh, you know, my neighbor, he's like, can I try it? I'm like, yeah, sure. And he's like, oh, that tastes just like Guinness. I said, yeah, I know. Guinness and is then, a weird thing. It doesn't taste like beer. It doesn't, you know, it's, it's a very strange. It's like a bitter chocolate. You know, I mean, I've spent enough time in Irish bars to have had my fair of Guinnesses, uh, fair share of Guinnesses, but uh, I think I might pick one up for uh, St. Patty's Day. Yeah, it's yeah. good. And try a little of that black currant syrup. Yeah, it's that so sounds good. gross, Just man. a little bit. And he... Black currant syrup. Yeah. I don't okay. know. It's it's his idea. He He's that. Irish, right? Yes. Okay. So maybe they so do. So that's it. I'll take his word for it. That yes. That's good. With that Irish accent, you'll try anything once. <laughs> well, almost anything. Um, and then there was actually you had ran into a serious problem. <laughs> oh shit! Temecula neighborhood evacuated after bomb suspect arrested. Yeah. So so context. We're um, <laughs> we're driving back from Joshua Tree area from from Palm Desert. Uh, across the San Bernardino Mountains, and we come through, I think it's called Temecula, not Temecula, Temecula. Temecula, my, my Tarantula. California people will, and, uh, will let me know if that's right. And so we're driving down the highway, and all of a sudden, uh, I look, and there's like six cop cars 
uh, pulled over on one side of the road, and there's cops standing outside the cop cars with their guns drawn and pointed down an alley. Oh my God. Uh, and um, and there's a car down there, and one of the cops has an AR-15, and he's pointing and he's shouting, and uh, the other ones like just are kind of holding their pistols in their hands, and I'm. I'm watching this as I drive by because like there's an in and out burger that I needed to get to. Like, and I was like, well, the traffic is going to be fucked. Like, uh, but you know, so I'm like, well, that's kind of messed up. And I make it into the parking lot and I go to the in and out burger and I get Jack in and out burger. Cause he's, that's his thing. He wants an in and out. burger. I've never had one. And I, they're, I they're good. I mean, and you know, I didn't want a burger for lunch. So I ended up going to Del Taco, which was right next to it. You know, thank Thank God California <laughs> aggregates their fast food in the same area. And a really good shrimp taco at Del Taco. Oh, but it was wrapped in like a it was wrapped in like a, a flour tortilla wrapped in a corn tortilla with the shrimp and the mayo and mm. all this. Ah, so good. I can't even but um hungry. so but then I'm I noticed that the parking lot is completely full of cars and what happened is everybody who was driving in the direction of where these cops were was kind of shunted off into the parking lot and they closed the whole town down wow and we didn't had no idea what was going on i downloaded a police scanner app (laughs) on my phone so i could kind of figure out how to get out of there and i couldn't figure out anything from that you know they were keeping it very sort of close to the vest and but then all these ambulances started coming. The bomb squad shows up. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> and Aaron's like searching to try and find what was up. But eventually, I found the article, and I guess you have it there. Roads in the area of Temecula Parkway and Kevin Place were closed, and homes and businesses were emptied from about 1:30 to 3:45 p.m. when the car was determined to be safe. So. Well, um, I should go up a little. Riverside County Sheriff deputies arrested a man who was sought for explosives violations in Fresno and then evacuated a Temecula neighborhood on Friday afternoon. Yeah. Out of concern that the suspect's car was loaded with bombs. Deputies <laughs> pulled over the car at about 1.30 p.m. Inside were a 44-year-old man from Fresno and a 56-year-old man from Clovis who had felony warrants out for their arrest. So the sheriff's hazardous device team inspected the car and found nothing dangerous. No one at the Fresno Police Department could be reached for the comment. Um, yeah, and so I was texting you about something. Yeah, while this was going on. I don't know what may be about the show. I'm like, what are we going to do? And you go, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm like locked in a, I, I can't leave this parking lot. You know, there's a bomb scare or somebody has a gun. Yeah, it was like a full California experience. Like uh, a couple of crazy guys from Fresno. In there. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? At the very least, we got the the Del Taco and the uh, and the and the In and Out burgers, so we were able to eat while this chaos yeah. was going on. Well, know? that's nice. I mean, um, so those of you who don't uh, don't live in the United States, we had something called President's Week. Yeah, which is just um, basically it's a, it's a hol- it's a national holiday. That revolves around Washington and Lincoln's birthday. Which we aggregated them and, and, and made them all on, both on a Monday, so we have a day off. But it's not just a day. The kids get the entire week off. That's only in New York. And it's a kind of a nightmare because you have to deal with these kids. <laughs> I quit how much, of that, how much of that Nicorette do you chew in a day? Too much. Like a whole box of that? No, I don't do a box. I've had this 20, box for, there's 20 because like cigarettes come in packs of 20. Yeah. Right? So you'd smoke 20 cigarettes a day. This, I, I bought this two days ago, and I'm still... How many you got left? Um, 
Sounds, sounds like, like five, five or six. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> Only drug addicts can tell when you shake a, a bundle how many, how many individual <laughs> yeah. pieces are left inside. So, <laughs> so I was stuck at home with my loving family all week, except I was going to work. Right. You know. But um, we still, you know, everybody else is going out on these trips. Like you guys went on a trip. And so um, we do a lot of compare and despair. If you're on uh, Facebook and you see, oh, this family's going to Australia across the street. You guys are going to California. This they went one's to Australia? Going to, um, yeah, not them. They're across the for street. For a week? Yeah, yeah. She's, um, wow. Well, she works for JetBlue, so they oh. always, tra- and he's a travel agent. Okay. All the way oh, around. that's the G. Yep. Gianetti guy. So, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, they're always going somewhere amazing. But it's really easy to get that compare and despair thing. Sure. You know? Especially my wife who's going, oh, my gosh, this one is, and she loves to travel. It's one of her favorite things. Mm-hmm. So it just didn't make sense for us to go on a trip. Yes. Uh, didn't make sense for us to go either. It, it was just, we already <laughs> did a non, like a trip we shouldn't have done when we went to Greece. And so we need to take some time off. Plus, I have to work. I mean, I have a lot to do. Right. And this company's growing and I'm trying to keep it afloat and all that. But Monday, we took the day off. It was really cool because I got to take my kids with my parents to the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. Wonderful. And uh, oh, it was so great. I just love to go to the museum. And, um, you know, my kids like the museum, especially Max. He's very interested in history. Arms and armor. Yes. We we saw the. uh, the knights, um, the, what do they call it? The armor, right? Yeah. It was. Uh, well, I saw Henry VIII's actual yes. battle armor. It's huge. It is. He was a big boy. <laughs> uh, I think he was suffering from gout at the time. They said I was reading the thing. Yeah, and uh, and also the uh, Temple of Endor, or, mm-hmm. uh, which which is a an Egyptian temple that they took piece by piece and rebuilt. Stole. <laughs> yeah, appropriated it and rebuilt it so you can actually go experience this. Um, both of my kids, and I was very proud of this, when we got to the, the modern art, um, the Van Gogh section, mm. they like, oh, this piece, and they knew the art, you know, because they're famous, but mostly from, uh, from uh, they learned about Van Gogh from a Doctor Who episode where they go back and actually meet Right, that was a good one. Great, It was yeah. great. Yeah, I yeah. love that. And they love that one, too. So it was really cool to just see them experience these real art, you know, the actual works of art. And to really like get them to understand, no, 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 this is the, this is it. Mm. The artist actually was in front of this canvas, yeah. painting it, and you know that's the result. This isn't a picture of it; it's not a, a fake. That's the thing, mm. you know? and uh, it was really cool for them to see that. Um, and I always had a great time. My parents used to take me as a kid. You know, we lived in Manhattan, and so one of the things we would do for fun on the weekends was we'd go to all the different museums. Sure. And that yeah. was so, and I loved it. And so I have really fond memories of doing that with my parents. And it was cool to see them do it with my kids mm. and for my kids to uh, to really, you know, appreciate hanging out with them. And it was a lot of fun. And then the rest of the week, it was, you know, piecemeal, this play date for Max. And, you know, Noah didn't do much at all, and that's what he likes to do. And uh, it was fun. You did, know. did you do you have a, a favorite uh, piece of art in that museum? Uh, yeah, I actually uh, I posted a couple of pictures. My favorite, I don't I don't know uh, what my favorite is. You know, there's so many amazing. It's such an amazing museum. I feel like I could never see the end of it. It's mm. so big. I've never gotten through the whole thing. I don't I mean, think you can. 
I've always wanted to just like get one of those guides who uh, a guide, yeah, and just have them take me through like maybe in a few different days to the different sections and to like explain it all. Mm. Uh, because you could just yeah, I can't even think. There's so many amazing things in there. I love those things where they rebuild like the Roman, uh, you know, halls and stuff yeah, like yeah. that, and so you can walk into it and see it. Yeah, there's uh, a fair number of like mummies and sarcophagi oh, God, in there yeah. and everything, you know. It's, it's a little something for everybody in there. It's overwhelming. I do like the modern art section because they have the sculptures and st- the sculptures are great. I can't I, yeah. I can't even pick one thing. So, so that was that. I mean, you essentially went on a, a little mini vacation. There's people that fly from all over the world just to go to that museum. And I was trying to explain that to my kids, um, you know, that Stop complaining about going to a museum. Do you understand? People come here from all over the world <laughs> just to sniff the front door of this museum. It's so amazing, you know. And did uh, you get a dirty water dog outside? I didn't, but I told them the story of getting dirty water dogs. You know, when I was a kid, uh, my dad would always pull over on our way back to Long Island, which we'd come for the weekends. And there was uh, right before the exit or when we left the city, there was always a, a stand there. And so yeah. I would st- he'd stop the car, stop the Oldsmobile with the wood paneling and the, yeah. Yeah, the maroon Oldsmobile wagon, get out, get the dog, and uh, get back. And besides that, we also, last thing I'll say about this, I went to, there was an exhibit at the Cradle of Aviation, and it's the history of video games. Oh, no shit. It's a traveling, you know. How long is that running? Um, I think another month or so. Oh, I'm going to have you to take that. you got to go. Oh. They have Pong. And not only do they have like each stage of of like video game development, they're playable. Oh wow! Yeah, so you go there and you can play pong. You can play, you know, <sighs> the Street Man, Fighters. It's so it, ten dollars a person. Was it crowded? No, not really. Like, did you go on the weekend? I don't remember. I think it was a Sunday. Okay, maybe, but it was not that crowded. You know, <laughs> really not and. And the trick is, so everyone out there who wants to go to this, don't go to the to the front of the museum and pay to get in, because then they'll just sell you a ticket for the museum. If you just want to go to the to the exhibit for ten bucks, you buy it online and you walk right in. <laughs> you don't have to. Can I just say though yeah. that that is actually a really good museum yeah. if you're into aviation and they have like an original uh, Apollo Eleven moon yeah. lander in there that one of the prototypes they because they built it at Grumman yeah. right right down the road it's very cool all right I think we're losing audience members sorry that. so um, I tell you what Let. let's take a minute mm-hmm. and then when we come back we'll discuss the uh, strange disappearance of Bo Man that's right the disappearance of Sober Grid's inventor and progenitor. Bowman. We'll be right back after these words. And we're back. (laughs) This is part two of the show. Part two. (laughs) Strap in. Strap on. (laughs) We're... Good to go. Buckle up, Buttercup. Call it's me Peg. Recovery All right, we're in the Middle Ages. Okay, so um, so I'm out in California, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out what to do for the show. And I got all these strange things, like <laughs> irons in the fire right now. I got some. I got a Harry Krishna who might come on and talk about bhakti recovery and Love something it. else. But then, uh, but nothing really 
came to fruition and you were like, well, why don't we, I just listened to this podcast. Why don't we do this thing? Yes. And this thing is this fellow yes. named Bo Mann, who was the founder of a company called, what are they called? Sober Grid. Sober Grid. And Bo Mann left his house on November 30th, 2021, yeah. never to be seen again. Yeah. And, you know, this is one of those things. I've, I've been talking to you guys about how much I like true crime podcasts lately. And True Crime Garage is one that I love to listen to. And last week, imagine my amazement when the worlds collided and my True Crime podcast was all about the sober grid guy just going missing. And yes. it's this crazy story. It hasn't been solved. Right. And so, Bo Man, well, all we know, what do we know about this the day? Well, it's a very mysterious day. First of all, let's talk about True Crime Garage because I've never I'd never listened to them you before. You hated it. Huh? I, I didn't like those guys. And it's nothing personal. I'm sure they're very good at what I they do. It. But their whole thing is like, fill the fridge up with our, with beer. It's a lot of beer. So it's like, it's, it's like a couple of guys like, you know, having a sausage party in their garage, you know, talking about drinking. Right, they have a beer fund, and it's kind of a funny podcast for me to like really like because it's all about beer, and they you know rate beers and stuff. But if once you get past all the alcoholism and bro culture of Ohio, you know, garage drinking, they're very good broadcasters. I mean, I guess we're ones to talk, right? Right, talk about you know it's just two guys, two knuckleheads like barfing into a microphone every week, right? (laughs) Um, But you know what's interesting is. Okay, so we'll, I'll circle back to that. So mm. Bowman is an entrepreneur. He's a young guy. He was like 39 years old. Yeah. Uh, and he created this app slash company called SoberGrid when he was attending the Sundance Film Festival a few years ago. And, you know, he saw that there was all these like dating apps and, and you know, WhatsApp and everything, every way for people to connect but there was no real way for people who were sober to connect right. virtually. So he starts this thing called Sober Grid, and eventually it it morphs into he he buys another company in 2018 called Ascent, which is an is described as an evidence based peer recovery coaching service in Ohio. And you know after he buys this other company, Sober Grid then was able to offer telehealth, HIPAA compliant, 24-7 certified peer coaching support Sounds awesome. through the platform. Yeah. So they've gotten funding from a lot of big, um, you know, uh, government sources like the national uh, and private uh, sources like National Science Foundation, the NIH. And it's basically they're, they're looking for ways to leverage technology to improve connection and support for people who are suffering from addiction, right? Yeah, it seems like a laudable goal and and you know yeah they they recently started getting into using um artificial intelligence and machine learning to help people in recovery uh the company was featured on you know nbc nbc entrepreneur fox new york times all this stuff so this guy is you know he's deeply invested in this company it's it's based out of boston but he lived in california so on thanksgiving of 2021 he he flies to see his fiance, this guy he's seeing out in what it was Michigan or something. Anyway, then he, you know, says goodbye to him. He flies to see his family in Texas, right? And he spent Thanksgiving in Texas with his siblings, who were both from Massachusetts. And right. then he left Texas and he flew to LA. He arrived on November 29th. 
On November 30th, he went out uh, in the morning. His car wasn't working, so he went out to a 7-Eleven. Right. right? He went out to a coffee shop with a couple of laptops in his backpack. Which was strange. Well, see, I didn't get the... um, At first, I was like, why is this guy just going on a 7-Eleven run with two laptops and a bunch of phones and all this? But apparently, he went to a coffee shop first and spent time in the coffee shop working. Then he goes to a 7-Eleven. He takes an Uber to a 7-Eleven. For a bag of ice. He buys a bag of ice, some snacks, whatever. And there's there's actually videotape of this, like stuff falling out of his backpack. He's stuffing it all back in. He takes the bag of ice. He gets into another Uber. And instead of going back to his apartment he has the uber take him to an address in santa monica Mm. sometime while he's riding in this uber he sends a 911 message to 911 through the uber app and 911 tries to call him back they can't reach him um and that's the last anybody ever heard of him he the driver says he dropped him off at this address in santa monica and he just basically disappeared yeah, uh, the uh, let, let me just read this with the one part of the article that sort of lays this timeline out because it's it's so there are some strange parts to this there that are. really stuck out to me at about two p.m. on I think in the day that he disappeared the Seven Eleven camera captured him as he hefted a large backpack off and the contact contents including laptop computers spilled out. He then repacked the bag and left the store at 2.06 p.m. with a large icy fountain drink in one hand mm. and a bulky plastic store bag in the other and a bandana covering the lower part of his face as a mask. Uh, remember, this is during COVID, so right. he wasn't like robbing the place. Uh, it is believed that he climbed into either an Uber or a Lyft because less than 10 minutes later, a text came from his cell phone and went to 911, which I kind of don't understand that. Maybe you can explain that I to think me. you can summon, if you're having an issue with your Uber driver, like he's trying to kidnap you or something, you can send. So it's a 911 to Uber, not to a dispatcher. I I think it goes through Uber to 911. Interesting. Like yeah. Why would you, that doesn't make a lot of sense I know, I would just call 911. Right. Think, right. The message indicated that he was in an Uber but gave no more information about why he might need help. Police reached out to him twice and got no response. When family members hadn't heard from him and work colleagues didn't know where he was uh, or where he might be, a missing person report was filed. Um, Yeah, so it's just strange. So they reported him lost, or they reported him to the police on December 4th as missing, right, which is a few days afterwards, because they figured maybe he just disappeared for a couple days. Yeah, sure, people do that all the time. Well, I mean, (laughs) and the police were very sort of of offhandedly said, um, you know, maybe he walked away by choice or he's enjoying a digital detox for a period. You know, I mean... A digital detox. (laughs) Do cops say that kind of thing? A guy uh, who's, who's very essence of his existence is to run a digital company is taking a digital digital detox yeah um so there's never been any um sightings of him since his phone has not been used so you know his his um his fiance thinks that he and the rest of his family think that he met up with some kind of foul play and they're not really sure what kind but um so the, the police have talked to the Uber driver who said that he dropped him off and never had any real, you know um, interaction with him after that. But the Uber driver's name, whose name is Kyle, I think it was, um, you know, he was interviewed twice, and then the neighbors mentioned something like they may have seen him like 
aggressively cleaning his car for six hours one day. Yeah. Um, but the police said they don't suspect foul play. And there's some weird stuff going on because the, the place that he was dropped off at, the address he was dropped off at, was um, the house of a woman named Jonna Joe Good. Uh, that's where his Uber driver dropped him off. Now, Jonah Good claim, Joe Good claimed that she didn't know Bo, right? Okay. But her number was in Bo's phone. And um, she was a crack addict and a, um, a meth addict. She was 50 years old at the time, mm. and, uh, 51, and she has since died. Uh, okay. Probably of an overdose because for her funeral, her friends and family suggested that in lieu of flowers, they make donations to Shatterproof. Shatterproof. Which is yeah. where our friend Grant uh, currently works. Yes. Um, Interesting. But she lied to the police and to some investigators a couple of times. So there's a, a, some but, some fishy stuff going on in that. Um, wait, a meth addict lied to the police? <laughs> Very strange. Yeah. So she, she was caught lying several times while speaking to the investigators in the LAPD. Um, and she actually joined the Facebook page, Find Bo man and was weighing in and sort of taunting people on there taunting yeah okay um when she was questioned back in august of 2022 by one of the investigators who was working hard in the case joe told her that you're never going to find him and hung up on them um i mean no one's ever accused this woman of any malfeasance or (laughs) any wrongdoing but um you know uh but after being confronted early on with the knowledge that she and Bo had mutual friends on facebook all of those people mysteriously disappeared from her friend list the next day. And, uh, Interesting. you know, after investigators came across her criminal record, um, within a couple of months, like she did a scrub online um, and all of, you know, they couldn't find her uh, address. They couldn't find her previous address and everything. And her entire criminal history had disappeared from public background sites. So, um, you know, if she didn't know him, why did she have, all these numbers for her. Uh, why did he have all the numbers for her stored in his phone? And why did he change his, eh. his drop off to her specific address? So, um, do you think this is a relapse? I mean, well, don't you think people would have said something about him starting to fall off the wagon or something? Usually people notice when a person is beginning to slip, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I hate to speculate on, on that, but I mean, you kind of have to, um, yeah, because we don't know. What, how did he know this woman? You know, what was their relationship? But like, um, even if he was buying crack from her or doing drugs with her, which we have no, like, let's absolutely just, no, we don't know information that. that anything like that was happening. But right? just pure speculation. I mean, what would that have to do with a total disappearance? I mean, people don't just disappear like this, guys. I mean, like, it, even if he was doing something he, you know, that went against his principles or the principles of his company, he vanished. Like, that is hard to do. Well, I mean, okay, so Completely. as long as we're engaging in idle speculation. Yes, that's what Here's we're my here idle for. speculation. Maybe, maybe he was having some issues. He knew this woman from some interaction he had with her through his company. He goes to her house because he was very specific about the address that he gave right. the Uber driver. He was going there for a reason. Right. It wasn't an accident. And maybe he goes there. Maybe he picked 
wakes up. Maybe he ODs and maybe... But she makes him disappear. She freaks out and calls like her meth dealer friends and then they take the body and who knows, right? I mean, that could work, except I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Okay, <laughs> so You're an expert. <laughs> I, I, I'm only an expert in that I've listened, in the same way that I listened to recovery podcasts for the past six years, I have also been listening to true crime podcasts. And I happen to know, just from listening to all of these stories, that it is extremely difficult to make a body completely disappear without a trace. Right. And so that the idea that this... Um, alleged meth addict that he was visiting has friends that are like cleaners from the mafia that could somehow completely erase a footprint of a human being off the face of the earth. It's, I find it hard to believe probably like, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Well, I mean, so totally gone. And this is rank speculation, but this woman, despite being like addicted to whatever she was addicted to, and she was very open about it because she answered a lot of questions on that website, Quora, yeah. You've heard of that yes. site mm-hmm. and where she says, you know, I, I tell everybody that it's I'm an, an addict, you know, because, yeah. you know, why She's hide not. it, whatever. Right. She still managed to somehow afford to live in a house in Santa Monica, which is not an inexpensive part of Los Angeles. So there was money around, Interesting. right? Maybe she had a career. Maybe she was functional. I, I you know, these, like he I said, I don't really money, know. Right, like he had money because of this company. I he don't was a, know if he had money. You know, maybe I, he was supporting her. But he was also preferred the company of men, as yeah, we know. Yeah, he was he engaged a, to be right. married. His fiance, you know. Doesn't mean he couldn't be bisexual and have well, something for her. There was actually another guy yeah. who the police interviewed who was identified as himself as a friend with benefits for Bo. Yeah. Right? But he was supposed to be, he was in Las Vegas at the time that the incident happened. But um, so if this woman's got money and she has friends who are drug dealers, I mean, it, it, it doesn't so, really strain. You don't have to go too far to think that maybe somebody, you know, made him disappear after he OD'd in the house. You so know? Y- you think he went there to pick up? I don't. I wouldn't say I think this. I'm just <laughs> sort of speculating. Wait, it's, that's just the fun part of this tragedy. Is trying I know, to but figure you know what? what here's happened. the here's the thing that that no. makes me uncomfortable because I spent some time on the Facebook group searching that search for these, and his family is. You know, completely beside themselves. Sure, you like know, the they, guy just vanishes. He just vanishes like almost two years ago, and and the police are not performing a good investigation, according to the family members. And yeah. you know, this this woman who was the the very address that she was supposed to that he he had the Uber drop her off at just up and dies like later. And I don't know if she ever talked to investigators <laughs> or anything. And so for me to sit here and say, yeah, this guy, you know, he fell off the wagon. He got himself you know, snoot full of uh, drugs and OD'd and, you know, like I, yeah. I have to be sensitive to the effect that that's having on the family who probably is searching news sites every time mention yeah. of this guy comes up. And, and in fact, I saw it. And the reason I'm like a little leery about ta- even talking about this is because, you know, they advertised on the Facebook page, the family did when the, um, true crime garage episode came out mm-hmm. and they agreed that they did a nice job, but, his fiance also said that there have been a lot of other podcasts who have been out there who have been capitalizing on the story and using it to try and boost their listenership because it's like a, oh, is it a sexy know, story? Yeah, so you know, I don't want to feel like we're falling into that category, right? No, I just think um, because I mean, it's interesting. The last thing I want to do is increase our listeners. No, <laughs> no, no. We, we're looking for less listeners. Look nobody at the, the nobody listens to this podcast anyway. But, <laughs> <laughs> so so okay so would it be completely out of the realm of possibility that the way that i think this went down 
it went down that way? No. But there's also other stuff. Like, they, I think they, I saw something else in that Facebook group where they followed his cell phone, and it made this weird sort of loop around L.A. in, in the Uber, and, and it went through a lot of areas where... Um, they were kind of out of the way in the hills and stuff. And, you know, but I mean, they probably would have, if his body was there, they probably would have found it by now. You know? Right. So, and why did nobody see this guy get out of the Uber or nobody saw him in Santa Monica? Something is not, you know, and here's the other speculation side of this. So I'm putting on my speculation hat, probably irresponsible speculation. Okay. So if this bothers you, please stop listening. If not, Here's what I think maybe could have happened, right? Okay. He's like the CEO and founder of this company that is growing fast. They're acquiring other companies. There's a lot at stake for his partners, his investors, the employees, the brand, the whole schmear, mm -hmm. right? So this guy starts to fall off the wagon, let's say. And starts they starts to they start to notice that he's missing appointments or maybe they realize this is beginning to happen, and then one day he goes out, meets up with this drug dealer friend of his, dies. Alleged. They they panic, call one of his friends who's like a, either a partner or an investor, and they go, "Oh shit, the CEO just OD'd. We can't have this." They clean it up. And she knows what happened. And then they clean her up, right? And they whitewash the whole thing. <laughs> and now... <laughs> That's very paranoid. But he, look, Heroes Sobergrid has an official... Um, this is their statement about him. An important note about our founder, Bo Mann. Sobergrid, Inc. Founder and CEO, Bo Mann, remains missing. Last seen in Los Angeles early afternoon, November 30th, 2021. An active police investigation continues at this time. Our Sobergrid family mourns this loss and are all praying for his return. Bo built an amazing company and led a phenomenal team of talented individuals who may be covering up his death. Um, the Sobergrid team continues to work diligently to protect the legacy and continue his mission. And then anyone who has information which we'll, uh, of course, read at the end of the show. What do you think? Corporate conspiracies abound. They covered it up. How else does a human being go missing? Here's the other possibility in my brain. The guy was sick of it. He didn't want to deal with this anymore. He didn't like his fiance. He didn't want to explain to everybody that he just wanted to, like, get the hell out of Dodge. He had a lot of money from these companies and things. He was wealthy. He up and left. He nah, went off the grid. No way. No, I don't see it. Yeah. I don't see it. He doesn't sound like that kind of a, a guy. But he's left to me. no trace. I mean, there's no evidence. I mean, to me, that's much more indicative of foul play than it is indicative of some massive conspiracy. You familiar with Occam's Razor? Yes. You know the simplest explanation is yes. I saw right, contact of all, with all Jody the, Foster. Yeah. Right. So I mean. The, the the idea that this company is engaging in some vast conspiracy, uh, because frankly, I, I don't see the founder relapsing as being necessarily uh, a negative. Oh yeah, to a company like this. What about that? Um, the woman of the who who was the head of the uh, moderate your drinking thing. Oh, moderation and, management. Moderation who, management. Yeah. She dies in a uh, in a drunk driving accident, right? And you said, look at this ignominious demise. You know, ha. Uh, isn't that, you know, so 
telling about how horrible her uh, system was or something. I mean, I so think people would use that mm, against them. Yeah, but it's a different it's a different situation because, you know, I think people I think especially like an an organization like this could actually use that as evidence that you need to like be constantly on top of your sobriety and sober grid is a great way to to do it, you mm. know? I mean, just because the guy has a you know, is human and may may have fallen off the wagon or, or had a you know a fallible moment doesn't mean that he's, it, you know, it doesn't torpedo like the rest of his legacy. I don't think. Well, we know that because we're evolved, recovered people. But from everyone else who would say, you see, it does not work. I mean, the company's still chugging along, right? I mean, he created the company, and the fact that he's no longer with it doesn't seem to have slowed it down. Or maybe he discovered something that he shouldn't have uncovered. <laughs> Do you, believe, do you believe in chemtrails also? What, you mean the thing that, you know, in the planes yeah. and when they're trying to control the weather? Yeah. I mean, believe in it? Do you believe in gravity? <laughs> you know? Maybe you don't believe in it, but if you jump off the top of a building, you're going to hit the ground. Okay. I, I mean, I just, I feel terrible for this guy's family. I think it's something awful. really bad happened to him. And the, to me, if I'm an LAPD investigator which I am not, but if I, if I was, I would be like, well, it's either the lady at this house or it's the fucking Uber driver. And why I'm not putting the screws to both of them yeah. is really the issue. Like, wh- where is the investigation? Why have they not updated the family as to what's been going on with this investigation? You that, know? That's the other side of this, too. Like, be, ser- speaking, you know, seriously, um, there is some very strange behavior by uh, Uber, apparently, people are upset um, that you know Uber has not been forthcoming about the driver. Apparently, there's some. They, they it, keep it, changing the story. Like he 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 never took another fare after he dropped Bo off that day. Right. Like that was well, one like, thing. Right. What happened? I don't know. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, uh, it's the missing persons unit of the LAPD is apparently like. Um, underfunded and has a very difficult time following up on all of the missing people in Los Angeles, of which there are thousands. So one of the investigators though said something to, to one of the family members who was calling and and trying to, you know, get them to step up the uh, investigation. He said, Oh, just the fact that this is going to be on uh, a media thing doesn't mean we're going to investigate it any harder. Right, so, so this, like, you this know. is a story, too. This could just be a story about, you know, LAPD just kind of shitting the bed again and not doing what they're supposed to, being, you know, and all of that. So this could just be a story about, a you know, really bad police work. I um, mean, I guess they never found his laptop. They never found his phone. They never right. found any of that totally stuff, right? vanished. Where is it? I mean, it's a, you know, L.A. is a big city. Right, I mean, you can. Those things leave fingerprints, electronic fingerprints. Well, see, that's I mean, the thing. Like literal any, fingerprints. Anything like an Apple device, if it's turned on, you should be able to trace it. Right. So whoever you know cleaned the the, the scene was. So able you're to... assuming this guy is dead. Yeah. You not you don't think that he just had a mental break and kind of wandered off and he, left he, all his stuff somewhere? And here's the only reason why I don't. It's because if where would he have gone and wherever that was. You know, there's where could you go that there would be no like trace, like travel, you know, videos of you crossing a border or anything like that. You get on a plane, isn't that all documented? Well, and that's the other thing because the LEPD could have gone to the spot where he was dropped off in Santa Monica because everyone's got a ring doorbell or yeah. all this stuff. 
but they didn't do it. They didn't collect any video evidence from that area, and now it's all too, it's all gone. It's too right? late. Those things record over themselves. Yeah. And but I'm wondering, like, the one thing that never comes up in any of this stuff, like in the Facebook group or anything, is like, and maybe I just missed it, but like, has his credit card been used? Is there any money missing? Like, is any? there any like is there anything that would indicate that he decided to pull the plug? But I mean, people don't it's, just vanish like they that. do in japan i don't know if you <laughs> are you familiar with this like in japan it's like a big thing like people, people who their lives get overwhelming and they're actually companies that will help you move in the middle of the night and build you new identities and disappear I from your entire love, life i love that idea. there's a whole podcast on it it's Can, really interesting do they work in uh, in our town is there one around here <laughs> <laughs> i've been having escape fantasies lately i mean i don't know if if such a thing exists in the united states you know, in, in Japan, it's considered part of the culture to some degree. Mm. This happens. People will go to escape their bills, whatever, and eventually they may contact their family a few years down the road. <laughs> eventually. Or sometimes they don't, right? Hey, they just want to start that. a new life. And and maybe that's just sort of the way that culture and society is wired. But we don't have that here, right? It, it's hard to disappear here. There yeah. is no magical I've tried. company that's going to, you know, it's not like Breaking Bad where you go see the vacuum cleaner guy and he builds you a new identity and gets you to the border. Right. But along that logic, along those lines, you know, what is it that we do to, to disappear and, and hide from our lives? We do drugs or I do drugs to bring avoid it, my... Bring it full circle. All right. Man. So I'll speak for myself. When I was feeling that way, what I did was I called my guy, quote unquote. I went out. I drank. Um, so maybe that's exactly how he was feeling, and maybe you know uh, he met foul play by his own hand. And I with, mean, maybe, you know, maybe. Well, um, I just, I, I just, I just know. find I maybe, or maybe it's a combination of the two, right? Right? Maybe he got into something that he, or you know, it's equally likely that he was maybe he was going there to help this woman. Like sure, maybe he was going there to that's a some, great, on some sober grid work. That's that's a great point. It could have been a quote unquote twelve step call. Except and, she consistently denied knowing this guy or ever seeing him or ever meeting him, despite the fact that his her number was in his phone and they had mutual friends on Facebook. I keep coming back to that. Yeah. This woman knew something, and now she's not around anymore. Who killed her? And I don't know if the LAPD ever interviewed her with respect to this or not. They probably just don't care. <laughs> they're just like whatever, and now they're covering up their. Uh, I mean, look, I, th I think they probably anything. care. I just think it's like the culture is like you know mm. pop culture, right? I mean, you do blame the culture, <laughs> and do as little as possible, and uh, get your pension. Um, I don't know if you've if you know anything, if you've seen or have any information regarding the whereabouts of Bowman, you should contact the LAPD Missing Persons Unit at two one three nine nine six eighteen hundred. Uh, during non-business hours or on weekends, calls should be directed to one eight seven seven LAPD dash twenty four dash seven. And anyone wishing to maintain anonymity should call the LA Regional Crime Stoppers at one eight hundred two 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 TIPS or go directly to www.lacrimestoppers.org. I would love for this to have a happy ending and for him to have just wandered away and needed some time apart but it's been a couple of years and he he's very close to this family and he hasn't reached out to anybody in his family so i'm thinking this probably is not going no. to end the way that um people want it to end but so yeah very sad story i hope um i hope everything uh 
comes at least to light so the family can get some closure. And if nothing else, it looks like he's left a very uh, important legacy at this sober grid, which really sounds like a, a great service. Um, I've never used it. I've heard of it. Um, so Have you heard of it? I've never heard of yeah, it. I'm, not, I'm still not even sure what it does. I it, think... It sounds like just a, a comprehensive like online tool set for people trying to recover. Like it gives you access to online therapy. It has online groups to meet. And a whole suite of tools, yeah, if you will. It sounds really cool, actually. Yeah. I kind of wish I had thought of it. Um, in any case, so that's the uh, the mysterious disappearance of Bo Man, founder yeah. of SoberGrid. So thank you. Uh, and if you've got ideas and or uh, about this, you know, email us, Mike R. Yes, please send me all of your happen. conspiracy theories. Uh, you know, we the best ones will be read on the air. The best ones will be read on the air. <laughs> um, and I think we can move on now to recovery in the news. Yeah, all right. Recovery in the news. Recovery in the news. Recovery. Yeah. not sure how i feel about our foray into true crime well it's it's a swipe at the dark we needed content i happen to be listening to that show we really yeah. weren't prepared to put on like a legit one of our usuals so i thought this would be a nice little diversion i had this idea you know of well actually i'm not sure if it was me or it was aaron had mm. had uh had the idea of of starting a uh true crime podcast with a that's related to recovery or drug and alcohol abuse. Well, this was a, an example of what it might sound like. Yeah. You don't love it. I right? don't know. Mm. I feel funny, like, I, I feel funny speculating about this stuff. Like, funny but, or? No, because, <laughs> I don't know. I shouldn't have gone on the Facebook group because now I feel like I know the people who are involved and they're very sad and I'm I'm sad for them and I feel bad, like, just throwing my bullshit out there. But whatever. It is what it is. Okay. So st sticking with the, the crime theme, uh, today's recovery in the news um, is an article um, from, <laughs> I should have wrote down where it was from. Anyway, it's uh, titled, White House Official calls, calls Camden County Jail's Addiction Treatment Program a Model for the Nation. Mm. The uh, link will be in the show notes. Um it's actually WHYY. You may know them as the public radio station serving the Philadelphia and Camden. Terry Gross Fresh Air is on WHYY. Oh, yes. Yes. Terry Gross. You remember her interview with Gene Simmons, of course. And W. Hi. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> at the Camden County Correctional Facility. Yes. Residents are offered not just one, but three different options of medications for opioid use disorder. Um, for Kirk Stewart, 46, of Gloucester City, getting immediate access to addiction treatment has helped him live a better life while incarcerated. And here I get the buprenorphine shot, and I don't have to worry about forgetting or remembering to take my medication every day, Stewart said. It's once a month, and I go on with my daily life. About 203 people at the Camden facility, about a quarter of all its residents, are receiving medication for opioid use disorder. Leaving aside for a minute why 25% um, of the people incarcerated there are addicted to opioids, which seems like maybe incarcerating 25% of 
is too many people to be in jail for using opioids, mm, opioids but yeah. who knows how they got there. Um, but a great program because prior to somebody's release, a team of specialists line up outpatient treatment appointments, put together harm reduction supplies, and sometimes find housing placements at sober living homes. On uh, Tuesday, White House official Dr. Raul Gupta called Camden County's addiction treatment program a model for the nation as he previewed federal changes coming later this year that will expand substance use health care for high-risk populations. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, um, You don't know about giving buprenorphine to people in prison? Well, it's one of those things, you know, like I believe in buprenorphine, Um I think it should it should definitely be I don't know. I, I think I think that jails in general need to be more sensitive to the real problems of the drug use. It sounds like drugs are getting into jails and this is also a problem too. So maybe having buprenorphine available um you know and administered properly. I mean, yeah, I don't see a real downside to it. Sometimes people view buprenorphine as like, oh, it's just another like recreational drug and so i think that's why there's some pushback ab about it they say oh you're just giving them more opiates but hmm. i don't know i i don't i never felt that way i saw people you know in recovery abusing buprenorphine um but that but i didn't you know and i think it, it could go a long way to helping them or at least making them be able to get through their uh sentence you know without suffering i mean i think the buprenorphine is is a good thing yeah but i also think that in conjunction with that having the outpatient treatment appointments harm reduction stuff finding housing sober living i mean i think all of that together yeah is probably has a synergistic effect on the success of people staying off opioids when they get out of prison right because i mean yeah you definitely have a better chance at maintaining your recovery if you're able to access medication while you're in, incarcerated and continue the treatment during your transition back to the real world right and we saw all of how that can go horribly wrong uh with that documentary we covered which covered the 30 years and the guys who go to prison mm -hmm. and you watch them come out and because there's no support after they're incarcerated there and there is no long-term plan or most importantly the bridge between jail and your recovery house or whatever right you know so well, there definitely needs to be more coordination. I mean, especially because you're 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 twelve times more likely to suffer a fatal overdose within two weeks of your release from jail yeah. or prison or rehab too. It's yeah. the same type of thing. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, the federal government touting this as uh, sort of the model is is I guess an indication of the way the government's going to be handling this going forward. Um, I guess in the spring, some federal agencies are going to be issuing new guidance on how the states can apply to use their Medicaid funding to pay for treatment and support services leading up to people reentering, right? So there's going to be some some real money behind this. So it would be good to have a plan. A plan would be um, nice, yeah. I mean, the cost of addiction treatment and reentry in Camden, um, you know, because you have to employ specialized staff and all these other programs, it's almost $2 million since 2019. But when you think about how much money the government spends on all kinds of useless bullshit, $2 million to keep that it's many people much. alive doesn't sound like a lot. But of course, who wants to spend money on prisoners, right? It's always the 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 low priority, you know, whereas, I mean, I, I think it, it benefits society as a whole if you, if you decrease recidivism, if you make sure that people can transition from prison to uh, reenter their 
the daily life, if they're not addicted to opioids or if they have a, a strategy for managing their addiction, it, there's at least a chance that they'll be a more productive member of society, right? Yeah, it's very short-sighted when people, they think, oh, they're just criminals. We shouldn't do anything for them. And it's like, no, idiot. These people come back. And if they are not well-supported, it's a strain on their, our resources. It's a strain on their families. If we can support them in, a, in an intelligent way that brings them back into the fold to contribute and, you know, some of these people go back to the prisons in a good way and, like, you know, run meetings and support other people. So um, I don't I don't see a downside to spending money on supporting people's transition from being addicted and incarceration or recovering into uh, coming back to society, join the rest of us, you know, I mean, work for a living. A separate question is whether or not half of those people should be in jail in the first place, right? And most like if you're, the, if you're uh, caught yeah. with you know, drugs in your pocket, whatever, and you're going to prison, you know, because it's been 10 times because you've been an addict for 10 years. Does that person belong in prison? I mean... No, probably not, you know. Um, I mean, the warden of the Camden Correctional Facility has it dead to right, I think, because she says um, medication alone is not the, the answer. Um, medication plus housing, medication plus identification, medication plus our peer navigators in the community, that's how you yeah. become successful. and. I think that's right. You have to take a multidisciplinary approach because just putting a Band-Aid on the bullet wound, so to speak, is, yep. is not going to do it. You, yep. know? One you can pill. give somebody, yeah, you can give somebody medication and then say, you know, you're on your own. You're gonna, they're going to fail, right? Yep. Agreed. And that was Recovery in the News. Uh, yeah. You got a weekend weird this week or no? Weekend. No, I don't actually. Oh, shit. Should I do one? Week? No, we can't just do it off the cuff. Yeah. All right. Um, next so week. Next week, um, Bigfoot will return. <laughs> I promise. Um, and that about does it for today, folks. Uh, I know I had a good time. Did you? Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, I'm surprised we were able to pull it off. <laughs> Did uh, we pull it off? <laughs> it's maybe. The numbers will tell. The numbers. Visit us at middleagedrecovery.com, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and Twitter. So, tweet us at what you twit. Support your favorite show. Guys, give us a five-star review. Write something pithy. Um, we love to see, hear from you guys. Write to us at... Mike R at middleagesrecovery.com. Join us on Patreon. Join the Inner Sanctum. We're recovering together. We're setting out cool mugs. Uh, the Monksters are meeting up. We are recovering together. It's patreon.com slash recovery in the Middle Ages. And um, finally, the best way to help the show is, how do you help smoke the show? Weed every, every day. <laughs> Share it with a friend. Oh, so right. Pass to I your right. I thought it was to smoke weed every day. Pass the duchy on the left-hand side. <laughs> Okay. Uh, share it with a friend and help grow the RMA movement. And as we say, non proficiat perfectum. That's progress, not perfection. See you next time. Stay fresh, cheese bags, and be good. 